Welcome to the Real Life Money Monday podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you are following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so you can keep up to date with all things property, business, finance and mindset. Yes, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are watching this, please do comment so we know where you are and who you are and what you are doing. This is Mark Harvey and this is Real Life Money Monday, where we're going to be talking about business, property, money, mindset and whatever else our special guest this evening wants to discuss on the panel. Now, you are in for an absolute treat this evening because the question on most people's mind is how do I live the life I desire? And in the process, like uh, Del Boy once said, this time next year, we'll be millionaires. And uh, Jamie made it to millionaire status at the age of 25. And uh, he just let me know that it was actually his birthday a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you just turned 30, Jamie. So first of all, thank you for being on this uh, panel this evening. We're excited to uh, dig deep and uh, understand a little bit more about you and uh, and discuss some hot topics in the property market and just generally about how business is operating in these uh, what some may call uncertain times and other people are actually enjoying the ride. So thank you for coming on, Jamie. Good to be on, Mark. I'm uh, excited for it. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on this evening. And hello to everyone. And I'm uh, I'm excited for tonight, excited for the questions coming in. I'll do my best to add some value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to do that. But first of all, this is this kind of stuff that gets people excited. This is why we call it Money Monday. But really, what we also want to get into this evening is... What is it behind the scenes that happens to generate this money? Because when it comes to property, there's so many people out there. And Jamie also being a trainer himself, training people how to set up uh, property investment. Uh, is it businesses, Jamie, or are you just training people in, in property investing in general? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly around setting up property businesses. You know, I don't, like I think property investment's cool. That's investment side, but more of the business model behind it and how to scale actively, I would say, rather than the passive routes. Yeah. So I'm excited to get into that because there are so many opinions out there. There's so many like different discussion topics. But first of all, just give us a little bit on your background, Jamie, like, you know, how it was for you growing up and then how you got into business, how you got into property, just so the questions coming in, like people know what to ask. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm not sure what angle you want me to come from. So I'll just spitboard and you stop me from rambling on too much. So uh, I, I always wanted to be a entrepreneur, let's say, um, before I even knew what the word meant, to be honest. But, um, you know, I was I was always a bit of a hustler. I like working hard. I like earning money when I was a kid. And my upbringing was what I'd say was blue collar. So, you know, I didn't I didn't grow up with money. Half my family are on benefits. The other half are good with the hands let's say and so um i I was sort of a a bit of a grafter from an early age and my dad taught me how to get on the tools and earn a bit of money and then when i was younger had a bit of a pivotal moment which was my dad passing away when i was 13 which no shit for everyone but i i always think in the darkest moments it reveals quite a lot of light in your life and I think it, it gave me the opportunity to go, okay, well, how do I step up? And I mean, like a subconscious, I wasn't that wise of a 13 year old, you know, <laughs> reflecting on those moments. But yeah, I just started sort of realizing that life's short. There's a, there's a lot of potential out there. And so I just focused on doing what I could to be happy, really. That was it. Like what made me happy on a daily basis. And for me, it was just keeping busy. And I've always been obsessed with money for some reason. Like, I like money. Some people say money is the root of, evil, of all evil. The, lo- the love of money is all, the root of all evil. And I just think that's bullshit um, all the way through. I don't, I don't think money is anything. I think it's an object and it just kind of accentuates who you are, right? Um, so I really focused on that. And then when I got to university, I started making a bit of money from trading originally. And I was okay, you know, I started recognizing patterns in charts and fancied myself a bit of a trader, made a bit of money, lost a bit of money. 
Um, but I hated it, like absolutely hated it because I just didn't like being on my own. And that's all I knew about the world. So I love people. I love being around people. I love talking to people. I love helping people. And so I kind of packed that in, but I actually got a bit of a payout. And this was when I was maybe 19, had a pretty big payout, about a quarter of a million, which, you know, at any age is a lot of money, but at 19, it was a lot of money. But and where did that come from? Somebody bought out the algorithm. So like when, when you trade, there's, there's ways to get, the easy way of thinking about it is like a robot does the trading for you. And then you, you model the robot based on how you trade if you like. So it was kind of doing that, but without my emotion. So it was better if you like than me. So somebody bought me out of that and then sort of made it so I couldn't create another one for years and all of that sort of thing. So little did I know they would have paid me a lot more than that. Um, in hindsight, little did they know I was going to pack it in anyway, because I hated it. Um, so, you know, tit for tat and all of that. So no, but what happens when you give a 19 year old that amount of money, right? Um, and so you can imagine I had a really good year um, and spent about 230 grand of it. And, you know, on what? sorry, on what? Do you know what? That's a bloody good question. I always say to people, it's, it's not like I was sat there with a ridiculous car or ridiculous watches. Being completely honest, I was pretty much spending it on trying to impress other people. Um, you know, it was about nights out spending thousands of pounds on tables and stuff like that for bluntly speaking, people I didn't even like that much, um, you, you know, and, but that was, that was 19 year old me and my own insecurities, um, and stuff like that coming in, I guess. And, um, so yeah, that, that was that. And there was a lecturer at the time at my uni and he happened to invest in property. And I was one of those people, I watched homes under the hammer all the time decided, you know, what if these people can do it, I can definitely do it. And he kind of gave me a bit of a talking to where he'd, he'd sort of said, look, either you're going to be like a great guy, people like people love you, people around you, all of that. And I was like, oh, wow, this feels really nice, you know, having somebody believe in me. He said, yeah, or, um, or you'll end up in prison. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, look, the way you're going, it's probably going to be that route, unless you buck your ideas up. So it was kind of the talking to that I needed. And at that point, I thought, yeah, let's go do it. So I had about 19 grand left. Couldn't get mortgage, obviously, at that age um, because of everything that was going on uh, post-crisis as well. So I managed to find a three-bed mid-terrace property in Burnley in the northwest, and it was £21,800, number 36 Burdett Street. So I bought it, bought it outright, scrambled money together, and then um, went back and forth, back and forth, screwed everything up, like everything up, which is a story in itself. Um, but it was the first lesson, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, Mark, you often, you often learn from the losses more than the wins, right? Or you learn from your mis mistakes. Um, I, think it's the pain, I think it's the pain that's the teacher, not necessarily the loss, but it's the pain. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's that pain that... You know, when, when you win, you get used to wins, don't you? And so the, the feeling um, is lost somewhat with each win, which is why it's so important to anchor the wins along the way. But pain is always pain, right? It's, you know, nobody wants the pain, really, especially when it comes to finances. So I learned a lot, a lot. I probably learned more in that one property than I have in the 10 after that, if I'm completely honest. And so but that was the start of my career in property, and that was... You know, that, that probably scarred me for a good few years. So before I learned the lesson, I spent about three years blaming everyone else but me, right? And um, I was bitching about everyone, again, apart from me and taking responsibility for my actions. So fast forward three years, which would have been about seven and a half, maybe eight years ago now, I really started, um, you know, we spoke about education, which is uh, interesting topic in general but i started investing my education i got mentors um and all of that sort of thing and then make mistakes on top of that and then one thing after another one property becomes two becomes three and obviously the compound effect starts starts catching on and you know i, I always say it's the first 50k um not earning 50k the first 50k in your bank account is the hardest money i've ever made because, you know, you're trying to survive on the money. But then once you get to that point, it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And then 
I say very short version, but that's how we sort of tickled on from then to today. Mm. So like when you first did that first property, did you just, you know, dive in, like no training, no one guiding you or anything like that? Yeah, so within reason, like well, what would you count as education? Def definitely no formal education, no paid for education. I didn't even realise that sort of thing was on YouTube, if I'm honest. Um, so I didn't even go there, but like I, I'd grown up around property just more on the other side. So I know, I knew how to use my hands, you know, I knew how to rewire, I knew how to do some basic plumbing, all of that sort of thing. Um, what I didn't know is investment. I'd never been on that side. So I'd watch homes under the hammer, seeing people, it was, it was Martin and Lucy at the time, homes under the hammer. And these people would go on. Martin and Lucy in my head were like the gurus, right? They like, if they said something, you do it. And then they all ignored them and they still made loads of money. So I was like, well, if these people can do it, I can do it. So yeah, apart from homes under the hammer and then sort of using my hands, no, I went in blind really. Mm, yeah, I get what you mean because um, it is, when I left school, I was in the building trade and I was in there for a while and even had a construction I'd say company, it wasn't really a company. It was just, you know, self-employed doing the jobs myself. Yeah. Uh, but then thinking that you needed money to make money and, and everybody in the trade confirms that for you as well by saying, yeah, of course, you know, because it's like the crab syndrome, isn't it? They don't want anyone to crawl out of the bucket. Uh, they're going to pull you back in. Uh, but, but yeah, the invest or like the biz the investment side of it, running it as a business. Cause I, cause I would say you've got like, okay, someone who can do all the work and they're very capable of doing it. Then the other side of it is like these property investors, which there's a lot of those being churned out into the industry. But then I think you've got real property entrepreneurs. Yeah. And these are like the ones that make it long-term, I would say, yeah, from my experience and from what I see. And I think uh, it's very different. All three of them are very different. Yeah, like just knowing what to do on the tools or construction wise or whatever it is, is very different from making it run as a investment. So, so it's going to pay cash flow on the back end. And then again, running it as a business to make sure that you've not just quit your job to have another job. Yeah. It's, uh, it's another game altogether. And uh, I'm definitely one for, you, you see, because I was business first, then I went property. Right. Most people, most people are trying to jump into property without knowing the business. Yeah, like they're doing property and then trying to backtrack and learn the business later, when and scrambling around even like trying to work out what a P and L is. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's it's where I always visualize it as wearing different hats. You know, when when you start a business, you've got all these hats on. You look like a plonker walking around trying to do everything at once. But ultimately, just because you can wear one hat doesn't mean you can wear another very well. And so it's, it's transitioning those skill sets and it, it takes time. It takes patience and a different pedigree of person and education around that. And, um, you know, when you're talking about the property industry, it's, it's one that always baffles me because like, so something I specifically teach in property is the business side of it. So more an active stream, but people in the property world as new entrepreneurs, if you like, I've never seen an industry where people are trying to get out of their job to get into something, to get out of it. And it's like that they've got this mindset of getting out of property before they've even got in. And people think uh, property makes money and it's kind, it kind of does, but really you make money, put it into property and make more money from your money. It's, it's a multiplier of money, unless you treat it as a business, which is a completely different, get a different game. And the thing is when you're treating it like a business, just forget the fact it's property. You're a marketing and sales business and any business is marketing and sales. The commodity or service or product you're uh, selling is next to irrelevant. You just need a skill set around it, right? And it's the same as everything else. It's got its own set of compliance, own set of moving parts, but really you're providing a service in return for money. And then you've learned how to make the money. Then you learn how to manage money because it is a skill in itself. And then you learn how to multiply it. And my chosen vehicle for that is property, but other options available, right? Yeah, I, I love I love property as a business because like I've built a couple of companies from like scratch. And this is where we had to like 
test the market, build the project, uh, build, build the product, sell some to, you know, you know, have some more funding, proof of concept, go back out, scale it, you know, then when like, then you've got all of the complexity of recruiting, hiring, training people on something that you're still working out yourself, <laughs> you know, like all of that stuff. So the thing about property is, is like, uh, uh, and, and this is for the people out there who are thinking, how do I get into this game? It's like, what I love is that everything is already there. Yeah. Like the demand for the product. And, and that's like, I like to use that terminology because people are talking about like investing and in properties and buildings and commercial to residential and new builds and all these fandangle, you know, things which, you know, today are these strategies, tomorrow's another strategy, whatever. Yeah. But like, it comes down to you producing a product. Mm. Yeah, and that product, either someone's going to buy that product or someone's going to rent that product. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's literally the two forms of income that it all comes down to uh, because that's the because you, a business must make sales and sales is either I'm selling something or I am renting something, which is also a sale. Like you said, it's, it's everything is online. And, and even one step further than what you said, everything these days is an online sales and marketing business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all digital now. You got to be online. I'll never forget Gary V said, uh, Gary Vinerchuk. He said, um, someone asked him in the crowd. They said, "What's the ROI?" This was a few years ago. Yeah. So I said, "What's the ROI of social media?" And he said, "What's the ROI on your mum?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because what a dumb. He said, "What a dumb question." You know, you can't put an ROI on your mum and the love that she gave you and the lessons that she taught you as you're growing up and 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 the fact that she actually created you. But he said. Um, Put it this way, like if you're not in, if you're not using social media, or, or you said the ROI on social media is that in five years time you'll still be in business. <laughs> you know, so so everything is online, and all of how how we do property, how we get our how we raise our finance, how we um, get tenants, how we get people who want to buy the property if if it's a if it's a sales strategy is all online but everything is there builders are there brokers are there banks are there the rules and the regulations are already there to like almost jump on and just like now i've got a business that got has got some rails and some tracks to follow where in other businesses it's not like that i know you're in the in the training business that definitely is not like that i've been in a few software businesses that is for sure not like that yeah. Um, you know, I've been in, I've got business management, I've got a construction company, like none of these have the, as has like the guidelines and the rails to follow and all the people to help. Like, I don't even have to have any employees if I don't want to. Yeah. You know? I mean, I do because like, I love people, I love developing people, but like, if I didn't want to, I wouldn't need to, you know, someone can manage my property. Someone can even find the property for me. <laughs> I don't even have to do that myself if I don't want to. So what what's what do you think uh, and what's your view around um people either trying to do it by themselves and and, and just figuring it out a bit like what you said like I kind of knew what I was doing because I understood electrics I understood plumbing yeah what what's your view and like what have you experienced from people who are just trying to jump on this property investing train mm. I, I think it's mixed, you know, like, so I think, I think you need to decide who you are. I just, I just think don't be delusional in thinking you're not paying for it one way. So, you know, you can go into education and drop 30 grand and you'll go, oh my God, that's an insane amount of money. It's like, I, I remember at the start, I put like 30 grand in and it was credit cards and the like, you know, like we do at the start. And my mom just went, that is literally a deposit on a house. It's like, yeah, but buying a house is going to pay me 250 quid a month. It's just like, that's nice. It ain't changing my life. And it's like, whereas if I fell, I worked out it was like 600 pound a month. So if I screwed it all up, I could pay 600 pound a month, right? Um, on a credit card. And that was my, that was my hurt money, my cost of entry. And so my potential downside was 600 pound a month. My potential upside was potentially changing my life. And I wasn't delusional to think it was in the hand of the trainers. I thought it was in my power and my control to learn from that and build. That, that being said, what I mean by you're going to pay for it either way is, let's say you don't pay for education. That's cool. Like, I'm, I'm not really one of those people who's like, you've got to do education. Go and do it yourself if you want. That's still education. 
it's just going to cost you a shit ton more. Thing is, a lot of people talk about ROI, right? But they don't talk about ROTI. And ROI is your return on investment, like your capital investment. But ROTI is your return on time invested. And if you are stupid enough to think your money is worth more than your time, then it says a lot more about you, um, is my honest reflection. Because time is your literally the only consistently depreciating asset you've got. You know, money's going to come and go. And yeah, you've got inflationary fine, inflation fighting against you and stuff. But honestly, if, if I lost all of my net wealth tomorrow, don't get me wrong, I don't want that to happen. It would suck. Um, but... I've got all of my knowledge. And so, you know, unless something tragic happens to me where I'm going to lose all of my contacts, my my skills, my knowledge that I've built up over time. And if that does happen, I've got bigger fucking problems to be thinking about than money, right? Mm. Um, I, I can get the money back. There's a reason so many millionaires that have lost it have very quickly made it back. Um, and I think that's something really important. So... Am I one of these, you've got to do education, otherwise you fail? No. I genuinely believe success, successful people were always going to succeed. Um, and I think losers were always going to lose. It's, um, you know, it, it's down to a personality type. You just often find that people that are willing to invest in themselves, not all of them, because you get some clowns investing in themselves as well. But a lot of people that invest themselves, they have another level of confidence that they're willing to back themselves to. It's that whole argument of um, universities, right? There's a whole study around how Oxford and all of that produce some of the best people in the country or even the world. But actually what the study found is the people were already going to be statistically some of the best people in the world. It's just that Oxford wouldn't let anyone else in. So it's mm -hmm. sort of like, well, what is it? The chicken and the egg? I just think you're you're playing an odds game being an entrepreneur and the odds are well and truly against you. If so, you're in education or not, I just think education increases your odds and I'm just a big fan of working smarter and working harder rather than working hard on my own. Yeah. So would you, do you, what's your opinion? Do you think people, you said like, you know, winners are going to be winners, losers are going to be losers. Can someone go from being a loser to a winner? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, and what's, the, what's the difference? Like what, like what changed for them? Accountability. Like if, if there's a word, it's accountability. Like you, you, you find it consistently where winners win because whether it's directly their fault or not, they're accountable to it. So shit happens in your life. You know, there, there are genuinely a lot of uncontrollables um, in people's life. And that sucks, you know, people dying. I'm not saying stuff like that is your fault or anything like that. It's definitely your responsibility to how you react to that. Now, have your bitch, have your moan, have your little soul. But we'll, we'll go back to my, my dad dying. It, it links back, and I don't mean in a morose way, but there was an Instagram picture um, that I saw, and um, it was about their dad, and it was a picture of these two guys, and one of them was meant to visually represent somebody that's successful. So, you know, a guy who's clean shaved, basically the opposite of you and me right now <laughs> is what they're trying to depict, right? So clean shaven, suited and booted, briefcase, all of that, um, clearly successful based on the, the, the representation. And then there's another picture who's meant to represent somebody who is not very successful. So uh, the, the representation of what you might visualize as a homeless person, you know, straggly, rough, bottle of booze, all of that sort of thing. And they both asked the same question. What do you think led to this point? Why do you think you're here? Both of them said, my dad was an alcoholic. And so the, the situational aspect was the exact, exactly the same. The difference is one person chose to take accountability and go, okay, it's happened. That's an uncontrollable in my life. What can I control around it? I can control how I react to it. I can control, I'm, again, I'm not saying don't bitch and moan and have your little cry, like we're human. After that, what do you do about it? What actions do you take that are positive? What actions do you go, okay, that's happened. So what am I going to do? Wallow in self-pity and sulk for the rest of my life? No. And that, that's a winner's attitude. You tend to take more responsibility. And what that sort of means over time is this compounds into small, minuscule wins consistently, hundreds of times a day, without you even realizing. You know, and it could be genuinely, I know it sounds so trivial, could be a bit of rubbish on the floor. Small little changes in psychology, a winner will pick it up and put it in the bin, just because. 
you can because you can contribute to something even if it's not your rubbish right you're a contributor you're adding value taking accountability on the other side people the losers of the world typically you spend enough time you'll know them because they blame everyone else for everything mm. like everything in life and often what that means down the line is small losses consistently and often over time that is reflected in somebody's bank account it's reflected in who they attract into their life it's, it's reflective of how they turn up every day and deliver yeah so um it's funny how you say that picking up of the rubbish right so what do you think because i i believe it comes down to their self i like that idea of themselves or their self-concept or their self-esteem you know because one person if they're not feeling good they're not going to pick it up because they think i'm too good to pick it up mm. or at least i want everybody else to think that i'm too good to pick it up yeah. where the other person who does pick it up they probably don't care what other people are going to think whether they think you're the trash guy or that you are the or you're just some random per person picking it up because they're happy with themselves so i think it's fair to say that if people are on that track and i've come across plenty in all the businesses that i'm involved in and have been involved in that I could say, yeah, I was a great leader because, you know, they went on to go and do this. But they were all, like you've said, they were already going to go and do that. I mean, it was just a blessing to pass cross paths with them. Yeah. But, but then the other side of um, which I've hired lots of them and I kind of have a soft spot for. So I'm interested to hear what you say. Like, what do you do about the rest of the people that are finding it tough, that have, you know, this mindset of like, yeah, I had this trauma as well. But yeah, because on the other side, Jamie, I, I have seen and come across people who, you know, the guy who said, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic, but he made a success. But almost it was a success made out of resentment. Mm. So at some point later, the kind of like the blood's boiling a little yeah. bit as well. So there is that side of it. But what do we do about the people who do need that kind of let like because it's not the school system and it's probably it's not anything to do with any system <laughs> that's going mm. to help these guys out. So like what happens there? Well, I think I think this is the great thing about it not being the school system is you can be adaptable. You're not you're not stuck to any one way of helping people. And, you, you know, it's um, people go, why is the school system so broken? It's like, well, prisons don't spend time teaching prisoners how to break out of prison. You know, so don't be fooled like uh, the, the education system isn't going to teach you how to get out of the system because that's ridiculous. It's the, the, the government runs it, you know. And so when you think about it like that, it's, it's, it's there for a reason. And the, you, the people in executing the teachers are doing the best they can in the boundaries they've got. But we're not kept by those boundaries. So I've, I think if you're in that role as a mentor or a guide, or you're, you're not one of those, you're just like helping people grow, then again, it's everyone can shift from that mindset to that mindset. And it all starts with mindset. So it's helping people understand that they are not their past. And you're definitely not your future. It's just what's here and there today. And, you, you know, there's loads of examples out there. But if I got a £20 note out right now, you'd want it. Everyone else here would want it. If I screwed up in a ball chopped on the floor, most of you still want that. You know, how far do I have to go before you think actually you can keep that 20 quid? Probably quite far because it's still 20 quid. It hasn't lost its value in any way. In the same way, and, you know, taken away from the monetary angle, if my bank account suddenly said zero right now, are you going to listen to me less? And if you do, that's cool. But that says more about you and your mindset rather than my worth. And so I'm worth what I am today because of everything I am as a human being. My bank account doesn't reflect me and who I am, nor does my clothes, clearly, um, you know, nor does anything else that happened yesterday because, fuck it, I don't know who... Who I was five minutes ago, it's kind of irrelevant to me because that's all in the past. All I can do right now is is be present and sort of guide there. So I think your role is, you know, to help those people um, understand that that the past doesn't dictate the future or indeed the present, and help reveal opportunities to them and understand that just because they're a fish trying to climb a tree all their life doesn't mean they're fucking stupid. It's just find out what their ocean is you know, and help them swim. And I think when we're, when we're looking at those sort of things of that sort of reflection mode, 
is helping understand their inner worth is, is pretty incredible because everyone, I, I genuinely believe this, everyone is worth the exact same as you. You just haven't figured out how to find that value or they haven't. And then when we're talking about negativity, Mark, I, th I think you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of my initial drive um, was from anger, hurt. I realized that this, uh, this might sound crazy saying it now. I was so angry at my dad for years after he died and I couldn't figure out why. And it's because I felt abandonment issues, right? And it was just like, it's crazy. He didn't decide to pass away, but you have this sort of concept around you and it's just like, well, why is that? So hate, anger, negative emotions, in my experience, are just as powerful, if not more powerful than most motivators. There's a reason it's underdogs, right? It's easier, easier to be an underdog. You've got to follow your views, right? It's easy. Yeah. But you also need to remember that negative emotions are kind of like a rocket, right? When you watch this rocket, what is it? it's like two-thirds of the fuel is used in the first, like, five minutes, and then the remainder gets it all the way. It's the same as that negative emotion. It's the most powerful, but it's spent really quickly. And so you'll figure out after a year or two of living off of anger and pain to drive you forward, you need to start transitioning and realizing there's, there's a lot of opportunity and you don't want to spend your life in resentment because you'll, you'll push people away. And that energy not only is draining people around you, it's actually hurting people and, and just taking it down. And you, you'll find yourself maybe the richest person in the graveyard. So you better, you better figure out how to help people transition that negative into positive energy. Mm, awesome. Yeah, for sure. So let's, um, let's do some quick fire. Yeah, oh quick, quick fire questions and quick fire like this discussion topics. So guys, uh, it's great to see you all on here. Everybody watching this live, put hashtag live. If you're watching it live, let us know where you're from in the country. Let us know what platform you're watching it on. And uh, if you're watching this on the replay or listening to this on the replay, do also comment uh, where you can on the platforms, hashtag replay. So if you have any questions right now, then put them in there. If you're watching it or listening on the replay, still put your questions in. And uh, we will answer as many of them as we can. We may even do another video or maybe have another episode that's uh, around that. And um, so here's a quick fire thing. So the first thing is, what do you think is the biggest thing? So like all these people who want to go into property, and I'm sure you've seen many people turn up to the trainings that you've done. Yeah. Uh, or online or maybe come to your website or whatever it is but what's the big what do you feel the biggest thing is missing for these people to be able to make it oh a lack of patience and i i always think you know you you said at the right at the start mark like who do you, trainers blaming delegates delegates training tra blaming trainers right and it's true it's, it's a mixture of both like first of all trainers Oh man, I don't know what it's like in your industry, Mark, but in mine, it's this get rich quick bollocks. Like, and it's like, yeah, you'll be able to quit your job in next month and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you won't. And, you know, maybe in other industries that I don't know about, but in my industry, it ain't happening. Oh, you can do this with an hour or two. No, you can't. Um, and it's just, it's just this bullshit. And so there is an element of that. I also think grow the fuck up, you're, you're adults. Yeah, like how can you how can you believe and buy into something like that? And this is again, um, I was reading something the other day. As soon as you speak on a podcast about somebody taking responsibility for themselves, apparently it shuts off eight percent of the audience. So I've just lost eight percent for you, that Mark. Sorry, um, <laughs> but it is. It's like it's take responsibility, and I usually use the school analogy, right? So sixteen years of education to get GCSEs, two years to get your A-levels, three years to get your undergrad, year or two to get your master's, to then go work for three years, making cups of tea for some arsehole ahead of you, and then you can start making money. And yet some people go on to go on to a weekend course and think they're going to be financially opulent in a month or two. It doesn't work like that. And I think as long as you can be accountable and genuinely have patience, I think the, the mindset with the right education, accountability and commitment, success genuinely is inevitable. I, ge I really do believe that, but you've got to be patient for it. You've got to learn, you've got to develop, develop yourself to push yourself forward. Mm. So, let's, so let's say it's accountability and patience. 
Yeah, what's miss what's missing from the training or the or the facilitator or the deliverer of let's say property training? Do you know I think it's what's there that's the problem and it's ego. I I, I think a lot of the in mine, I don't know what your space is like, Mark. So I'll I'll talk for, for my space. I think people go from mentee to mentor way too quickly. And I think it's because, you know, you, you see like somebody do a Facebook post and sell 10 spots of a 10 grand mastermind and like, Jesus, that person's just made a hundred grand. And you're like, yeah, that person's busted their balls for years to have the right to do that. And you're seeing one post. Um, and that's like the, um, I don't know if you heard the analogy of the engineer on the submarines where he's getting in all these experts and then he gets this old timer who comes on just smacks the side of the machine and it starts working and he, he bills him for like 30 grand and he goes what you were there for five minutes he was like no it took me 30 years to know where to whack you know and stuff like that and yeah. the problem with ego is the mentees become mentors in my industry way too soon and i actually think that's okay if like i believe somebody who's bought their first property as an investment Say you've not got any, Mark, and I bought one. Hey, Mark, I'll train you on how to find your first property based on my experience of finding the first one, and I'll charge you £200 for that. You know, I genuinely think that's okay if I'm honest that I bought one and I'm charging accordingly. The problem is people are so full of shit that you'll hear somebody go, like, I know people like that, that go, been in the property industry for 17 years. It's like, no, you moved out of your mum's house 17 years ago. You know, that is not being in the property industry for 17 years. But don't these people come and go, like don't these people come and then they go because uh, you you know yourself in this training industry it's yeah uh, like like you can get some quick wins and you can get some low hanging fruit but after that then you know the real test comes like are you, you really actually training people you get found out pretty quick I imagine you know you you, you do see names pop up come away there's also some names that are seem to be semi permanent um, in my industry and you know um, I just they're like knowing certain things and it's like uh, nah, i don't don't feel comfortable with that but you know i guess that's it every industry people need to do their due diligence and stuff like that um and experience it for themselves you know the, i think the great thing about the industry is there's a lot of free stuff because of the marketing funnels um that we typically use it's you know a free gig and you can experience something keep your credit card at home or whatever mm. and to to you know do i like this person do i engage with them but I think the real problem is ego that's there where if, if you if you genuinely think you're the best in the industry amazing first of all you might be but you've got to constantly take feedback and I, I just think it's one of those industries that's so exposed for negativity you know people do seem to be looking for you to fail as a trainer sometimes but i think it's okay to go hey by the way i've been doing this for a few years and i still fuck up every single month i do i do for sure i screw up i let people down um i i mess up i miscommunicate um and that's cool i'm human and i'm pretty upfront with my students again my ego gets in the way sometimes um but i think it's okay to go hey i, I fucked up and i'm going to develop from this and i'm going to learn from it rather than trying to make make out that you're perfect and the problem with making out you're perfect is you start believing it after a while and then what you realize is your product or your service hasn't changed for the last five years and you've got to change really quickly then because actually you're you're hurting people then and stopping mm. the growth so you know, i think ego gets in the way of growth absolutely um that's one thing that we like in our community with all our trainers with all our coaches like uh one of the key messages is it's, it's like sometimes people ask me a question it's like, oh yeah well what are we in this situation and i always say the same thing oh, so it's, it's not about you it's not about you it's about them yeah and that's the same thing i use for myself if I'm ever facilitating or I'm in coaching or whatever mentoring stage, I'd say it's not about me, it's about them. And uh, I think what you're saying about that ego thing is more about like, how can I get people to like me versus, versus them asking, how do I get them to succeed? You know, because what we refer to in our real life community is like five freedoms, financial, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And it's like, even when we're training property, yeah, it's like, how do we hook into all of those things? I mean, let's face it. Most people, they come for the hook because they've seen either get rich quick, passive income, uh, 
the money's made in property and there's enough of that marketing. So God bless those people for doing all that marketing and educating the people. <laughs> yeah, that's good because there's some great, there's some companies out there that are awesome at marketing. Yeah. They get brand affiliation. They get uh, all these endorsements and all of that good stuff. It's a shame on the back end. It don't always work out. Uh, but on the other highlight, it's like, hey, thank you for educating the marketplace. And then they can you know, come and find the, eventually I think they get wise and they have to do the due diligence. Some people, they do dive in. Like you said, some people just jump in and pay 30 K because of uh, how awesome it looked on the surface. Uh, but, but like you said, it's like, if you have one property is one thing, can you, you, you know, coach someone else? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the other thing as well, it's not always the success of the person because I know some people who are doing millions. I'm talking like, you know, 50 to 100 million pounds worth of deals. Could they train someone? Poss possibly. Could they mentor someone? Absolutely. You know, but could they actually train someone? Could they coach someone? That's a different story. Yeah. And, and, and actually what I, where I found my passion was in growing businesses I realized business is all about people and then the advance and, and mo most people might even figure that out and say, yeah, no shit, because obviously it's about people. But then I actually realized in, in the search for like, I want to hire that magician who's going to come in and change my business. Who's who can just run it, you know, without me. It was actually those people are out there, but they're probably doing it for themselves. So I need to find someone who I can help. And actually train them and that's when i got my mind into well actually every business is about training people not just the people it's about training them and i started training every single day in my business and that's what made me want to go into the training industry you know outside of you know building businesses like we still do because i actually went to a training where people th flew from all over the world and i was like these are the people who i want to train you know they're giving up their time they're giving up their money you know, they're away from their families and their homes. These are the people. No, I don't want to be training people who are there because the manager told them to be there or, yeah. the, or the business says, let's be there. Don't get me wrong. We, we made, you know, some awesome people. Um, but I, I would say, you know, in addition to what you said, the thing that, that is missing, you know, from this training is actually the understanding of we're actually training people here, not, you know, cloning people, not, we call it BS, yeah. And people say, what's BS mean? You say bullshit, you know, and I say, well, actually it's blue skies, you know, because the blue skies and we actually say, just like you, you're, you're saying you're honest, Jamie, you say, you know, oh, yeah, I mess up. You know, I always say like, listen, I'm not here to teach anyone anything, number one, because experience is the only teacher. Yeah. But we create an environment where it's not about knowing what to do when everything's going well. My 12 year old daughter can figure that out when everything's going well, because everyone will just communicate by themselves without even her input. It's when everything is hitting the fan. That's when, you know, you're going to need to know what to do then. Like anybody who's winning, you know, and everybody's won at least once in their life. But if the problem is, if it's, you said you learn more from losing, Jamie. And I, and I agree with that because when you lose, you've got to figure out how to win. Problem is when people are winning, they're doing it in probably not the best practice. So then when they do start losing, they don't know how to get back to win it because they don't know how they were winning in the first place. Mm. Yeah. So what we're going to do, Jamie, is really like speed it up and do some quick fire because we've got loads of people asking some questions here. So let's go to this first one. I don't know if you can see this when I bring it up on the screen, but I'll read it out anyway, just in case the full thing is not there. But uh, Richard is saying, uh, Jamie, you mentioned abandonment and anger. I'm over that about 80%. So what things did you to turn it around? What did you do to turn it around? So again, I, I went through quite a lot of reflection um, and read quite a lot about stoicism, stoic philosophy. And like, I'm quite a simple person overall. And so I like simplifying some complexities in life. And there was an exercise that I did, and it's hard to start doing this by the way, but call it the circle exercise. So I drew a circle in the middle of a piece of page paper like that. And I'd think about a situation that's, you know, screwing with my head a little bit. And then I'd write down, what can I control? So this is the controllable, uncontrollable exercise. So I'd write down what I can control within the circle. And then I wrote down everything I can't control outside of the circle. 
And I just did this over and 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 over again. And with any exercise, anything that was pissing me off, anything that was coming up. And what I noticed is what it really came down to is there's only two things I can control. And that is what I think and what I do. That's it with everything, like literally everything. I can control what I think and what I do. Now, does that mean my uh, inner chimp uh, doesn't come out every now and then? I start bitching and, oh, he did this, he did that. Yeah. But again, then when I sort of stop bitching, have my little sulk, I go, okay, I'm only in control of what I think and what I do from this situation. So what can I do? And by the way, when, when I say I'm not perfect, I, I'll give an example. The other day, I was really tired. I've been really hustling lately. You know, I'm trying to get, I'm going for a climb in January, which takes me away from the business for a month. There's stuff that I wanted to do before Crimbo. And um, I was really tired. My time was so precious to me. And then I, I was sat in a two-hour meeting that didn't need to happen. And I was just sat there and I was like, right, sorry, is this what we're about to go through in this two hours? People were like, yeah. And I was like, well, fuck that. Do this, do this, do this. All right, bye. And just walked out proper sulky little bitch moment of me right and i just walked out like oh i'll teach them you know that sort of thing and i slept on it woke up the next morning i was like what a prick right what a shit person to do that to my team like they work their ass off so what can i do can i can i go back in time no I can change the way i think about it yeah cool i can get complete on this situation and i can complete my act uh, con control my action so i apologize to them you know and can I control whether they accept it or not? No, that's that's on them now. So th that's all you can do. And so when you come to terms with that, and I don't just mean you're like light bulb moment, I mean really come to terms with that. I can't control what somebody does to me. I can't. I can only control, I can't control what somebody says to me, what somebody thinks about me. I can only control what I then respond to them and then take actions upon that. The second thing is dividing fact from story. Um, nobody abandoned you, mate. Why at all? Like my dad didn't abandon me, he died. That's it. And then I made that mean that he abandoned me. Like we're all story making machines. It's this incredible ability we have to at attach emotion and illogical thinking to everything. Like when somebody goes, Oh, they, they hate me because of this. So did they say they hate you? No. Cool. So you've made that up. That's a story. Just because someone's shouting doesn't mean they hate you. Just because they're doing this doesn't mean they hate you. Just because they're acting a certain way could mean a hundred things. Could mean they're grossly insecure about themselves and they're jealous of what you've become. You know, all of those sort of things. And so I'd say they're my two best tips is try to remove your emotion and therefore the story you're attaching to things and then do the controllable and controllable exercise. Awesome. There you go, Richard. So then we've got one from Adam here. Let me read this out because the whole thing is not coming up. So he's saying, uh, oh, here we go, scrolling up. Now that you, the 30, has your perspective changed on your own targets and accountabilities? Is it pushing you to work harder or appreciate the small things in life more? Yeah, okay. So that's, that's a really good question, actually. And I, I was... Um, so I, I love sales, like I love selling. I'm obsessed with it. I, I love marketing. I love it all. Um, and I was one of those salespeople where I used to sell from stage quite a lot, right? You, you know, the typical people run into the back of the room and that. And I couldn't help it in my head. I'd be like, there's 200 people in the room. That's one person, that's two people. That's 1% of the room. Now there's four people, that's two people. You'd see what I mean? And I was counting up the numbers and I, I was obsessed with conversions, right? Because of ego getting in the way. And I was always okay. I was always pretty good at it. And then I don't remember the moment, but I transitioned away from it, maybe like a year and a half later, where I realized actually it, it was ego, you know, Mark saying about being liked. Yeah. And I was so obsessed with being liked and I, I hated the idea of not being liked. But I realized that each time I put some persona on, on stage, you had people love you for that persona and hate you or not like you, but that's how I perceived it. And then I'd try a different one. I'd try like the jokey guy on stage and some people would laugh. Some people would be like, I've been paying for the laughs, you know, paying for the content, you know, that sort of thing. And so what I realized is people are gonna have their own opinions of me no matter what. So I'd rather not be liked for who I really am and liked for who I really am. 
So then I stopped giving a shit about the conversions and it just become about me enjoying myself and adding as much value as possible. But guess what happened? My conversions went through the roof, right? Because I, I think on a subconscious level, people can sense that you're desperate for the sale or not. The reason this is important is, um, first of all, yes, my perspective has changed. And I, I always th th think this comes back to your vision. And my advice would be always have your vision slightly outside of yourself. Not some grandiose vision, you know, don't play you Elon Musk if you're 50 grand in credit card debt right now, um, you know, trying to think about Mars and everything. But I do think if you are broke right now and you're thinking about the financial security of your family, you'll end up becoming financially free a lot faster. And when you've really helped financial freedom, maybe you can think a little bit more than just your family. Maybe if you're a, I'm not a particularly spiritual person or religious person, I should say. I think they're different, but so I might not think like this, but maybe you've got a church um, that you want to donate to. Maybe it's your local area. Maybe it's your county. Maybe it's your country. Maybe it's another country. And I've always found that when you think outside of yourself, you grow the most because if you're focused solely on you, you na it's natural human ability to focus on the negatives around you. Whereas actually when you focus on other people and helping other people, you don't even need to think about the negatives or the positive. You just become a better person when you focus on other people. My mum said to me when I was younger that the highest form of wealth is giving back to people. And I used to think she's so full of shit until I started doing that. And genuinely, you will grow to no end when you stop thinking about yourself all the time. and You start thinking about other people's growth. Um, Mm. That is a hard. That is a hard bridge for people to cross, in my experience, for myself, and and I can tell by the words that you were using then yourself is like giving back. And in mm. fact, when I used to go to trainings, yeah, because I've been to a lot, and and people would be like, "Oh yeah, I'm here to give back." I used to be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Give back? Bullshit, man!" You know, like, but. I mean, maybe some of them were full of shit, but yeah, yeah. But but still, then I realized, like, wow, this is the way. Like, like there's a magic in it, and I'm still trying to work it out. This whole giving money to charity, you know, putting you know five percent of anything that I earn aside and, and giving it to charity, and 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 like we actually set up a foundation. Like, I, I I believe in this magic so much for two reasons. Uh, we set up a foundation for that because of the magic, but also like I really want to help. You know, like our foundation uh, teaches kids from four to 12 about real stuff that they actually require, like communication, relationships, energy, nature, and how the cycles of nature are exactly like the cycles of your relationship and business and money and all of that. Great, And they love it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, and in that form of giving back, like it's, it's a hard, hard bridge to cross. Mm. For me, I grew up on a council estate. It was like, you can't give anything to any, like anything you're going to lend someone is sugar. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, and you'd or, want it back. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, you borrow sugar, I borrow sugar, you borrow sugar off me. It's my turn to have something back off you now. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what? You yeah. can start, you can start in small ways, Mark. Like, ge genuinely, uh, for everyone listening, next time you're feeling shit about anything, go and do something for somebody else. But honestly, like whenever you're feeling just awful, when you're feeling broke, go to Costa and buy the, some someone that's in, in blankets, go buy them a coffee. Genuinely, see how good you feel and see how your day changes, let alone their day, because mm. you can't help but feel good about doing good things. Yeah. Like even just, even just the people in the petrol station that, let's face it, like when I'm queuing up, get very little acknowledgement. Yeah, just just throw a spanner in the works and just tell them how, how good of a job they're doing. Thank you for pressing that button so quickly because it was cold outside and you know you're allowing it. Like just small stuff like that. Yeah, you know, really surprises people. But like you say, exactly, it just starts to make you feel uh, feel better. We got a couple more questions here. Yes, we have. So let's have a look at this and then. Um, We've got our mastermind that starts in six minutes, so we will wrap it up. So the people who are on here who wants to go on that. So here yeah, it looks like this question here. So question, question mark. Is that a joke, Richard? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. If someone likes you, don't get, what does it say? You Don't you get more help and investors as opposed to haters? Yeah, that's an interesting one. 
Um, it'd be interesting to get your opinion on that, Jamie. But I think, you know, uh, I'm of the same opinion of like, as soon as I stopped worrying about whether someone was going to like me, actually, I was able to help the person more. Yeah. And in fact, and in fact, definitely, I know some haters have turned around, some haven't, and some never will. Uh, but it's, that's none of my concern. Um, I suppose a bit of ego kicks in just to protect then my own self-worth and confidence. Like if someone really wants to try and bring me down, I'm like, yeah, fuck off me. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you hating on me is not going to change my fate. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. So uh, was was the question if somebody if somebody likes you, doesn't it make it more likely that you'll get more help and investors? So yeah, look, don't. You know, there, there are people that are just assholes, right? You don't need to be that person. Like, you don't have to be uh, contentious in every conversation just for the sake of it. Um, what I'm saying is people are going to like you, Richard, or not like you, no matter who you're trying to be. So just be yourself, you know, because I can near guarantee without even knowing you that you're a decent guy. And, you know, I'm a big believer in like tribes and stuff like that. And what I mean by that, you know, it's a bit gimmicky when people go, you attract your tribe. But I do believe in that. Like you, you, it's like relationships. And Mark, you're talking about relationships a little bit there. It's um, if you're trying to attract somebody, stop talking about what you want them to look like. Because often when you start talking about what you want them to be, it's like, well, how much of that do you reflect? It's like people go, I want to be, I want to be somebody that's outgoing but you never go out. And it's like, well, you're not going to meet somebody that's outgoing because they're out, you know? And it's like, so start being who you want to attract. And it's, it's the same as kind of that. Like, don't fake it. I don't like that whole fake it till you make it thing, but be it till you see it, maybe. Step into something before you've hit the reality. But I don't really... I do care about being liked. I think we all have some element of ego, even if it's some have got smaller than others, or that's definitely my experience. But it's not going to change who I am um, for the sake of keeping one person happy. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I'm sure some of them might like me. <laughs> and, you know, you do attract your tribe. So I'm just a big believer in, you know, if somebody doesn't like you, it's not their problem. But it's certainly not yours. It's just, it's not good or bad. So, like, where did we get this weird obsession about people liking us? Why? Why do we need to be liked? Like, you will naturally attract who you attract, and you will naturally repel who you repel. And, and guess what? You can pretend you're somebody else all your life, but an onion's an onion, and they're going to find that out. So you might raise more money quicker by trying to be somebody else, but you'll get found out and then you'll be a faker and then you'll be exposed for it. And then no matter who you are as your actual self, you'll always be known as that person. Mm. And it's hard work as well to do that. Take it from someone who'd done it for a long time because I was I was like a bit of a weirdo and uh, I thought I had to act a certain way to be cool and for people to say, uh, yeah, I want to be friends. And I was pretty fast runner and I was good at football and that's kind of... The only reason that I had friends, as far as I can see it, because as soon as that wasn't uh, like a currency anymore, <laughs> you know, I was pretty lonely. Uh, so I started acting all different and, and it's hard work and and it's actually soul destroying. And it leads us to where, where we are today. And I'm going to ask you a very important question to finish off with, uh, Jamie. But So before I do that, because we always like to finish on that, I just want to say thank you for coming on here and brainstorming all of this with us and adding lots of value. And uh, guys, don't forget to share this post if you've got value from it, because there might be someone else out there that just takes one tiny little nugget, yeah, that might turn their life around or just give them a little bit of insight to go do something, just that one millimeter difference and sets them on a whole new track. Yeah, so do give it a share, do put your comments in here, do even tag some people and see uh, how far it goes so we can add that value. So, yeah, thank you, Jamie. It was brilliant to have you on here and discuss uh, what no we've worries, man. I'd love to come back. I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I like the free flow nature of it. And hopefully, you know, it's always good uh, chatting it over and hopefully it added some value to you and your audience. For sure, definitely. Like we always say, if you're like one person 
you know, just takes one thing from it and it's been worth it. But I know that many people are going to take many things from this and hopefully it goes swirling around the internet across all the different platforms and helps lots of people. So do thank you for that. Now, do I have a question? Yeah, very, very important question. This will test you to see how much, uh, how much you've been watching us or me or anything. Yeah, because in our community, we always say, that it is so important that we should never, ever, ever let people forget that they must do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Is this something I should have watched, you're saying? No, but you just answered a question. So we oh, can sorry. Never, we can never let people forget they must do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Oh, I, I, my answer would, I, I have no idea how you're expecting me to answer that, but I, I always just think like ties into what I say to my team that how much or how you make your money is always more important than how much money you make. And I think that ties in nicely to what you say, although I am intrigued what your typical answer is for that. Yeah. So yeah, in our community, we say this. So like, if you could say it and I'll, I'll ask it again and then you could say it. Yeah. So people because it's the only reason uh, some people are merely getting it. Yeah, so what we say is you must do the right thing for the right reason because that's the only way you're going to discover your true potential. Okay. So let, let, me, let me ask you again. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so we, Jamie, we, we must never let people forget that they've got to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Because that's the only way you're going to discover your true potential. Yes. Boom. There we go. That was Jamie York on this week's Real Life Money Monday. Thank you again, Jamie. It was awesome to have you on and uh, lots of people. Thank you for everybody watching. Thank you, for everybody who's sharing, commenting and liking. Do continue to do that. And until next time, like Jamie said, do the right thing for the right reason, because that is the only way you're going to discover your true potential. Cheers, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Real Life Money Monday podcast and be sure to tune in to the next episode.